You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. We're going into our fifth lesson of Amplified, and um, we've been doing a series uh, called Amplified, and it is the, the six pandemics that happened during COVID that not enough is being talked about. And we've gone through uh, four already, and tonight we're talking about the pandemic of disorientation. And uh, this, is, this is a touchy topic, and, um, but it is, it is necessary for us to discuss. And um, uh, during COVID, obviously before COVID, disorientation was present as in all the six pandemics. But it has been magnified or what we have titled as amplified during and because of COVID. Uh, many things, many things have changed quickly in our culture. Uh, some good and some not so good. But the rapidity of which these changes have come have left us little time for people to thoughtfully reflect on and engage in these changes. Things have happened quickly over the last two years. And some things have happened without uh, there being a lot of discussion. The result has been widespread disorientation, not only in individual identity, but also in national identity. It has affected not only people in our country, it has affected our country. Disorientation can prompt fear and anxiety that people have no idea how to deal with. Uh, suggestions of changes are being made to people and they have no idea the consequences of what will happen in their life down the road. And the change in views of marriage, for example, has been astounding. Our culture is resetting and we must be prepared as a church to respond to the new normal what the world calls normal, with the gospel in ways that are effective and life-giving. Effective and life-giving. We need a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you. Uh, but the shift uh, in views of gender identity has accelerated exponentially with changing attitudes coming in just a matter of months. Questions like the following have changed for many today. Simple questions that we had no problem answering just a short time ago. Questions like, who am I? What is marriage? What is sex? What is a family? We are becoming a nation that's, that some no longer recognize. 
And it has disoriented many. And I'm not, I'm not here to speak against people. I'm here to speak against sin. A paper published by Bristol University Press, it was a global discourse, an indisciplinary journal on current affairs. One of the chief features of this global crisis, it said, is that we find ourselves in a shifting landscape. The resulting disorientation extends beyond health research and into many domains of our individual and collective lives. It's going into every area of people's lives. Some of it is happening underneath our noses and it's not even recognizable. We suffer from political disorientation, the need for a radical shift in economic thinking. We suffer from social disorientation, the rearrangement of social dynamics based on distancing measures. We suffer from temporal disorientation or the warping of our senses of time during things like the lockdown. That's just to name a few. This generalized state of disorientation has substantial effects on our well-being and decision-making in all areas of our life. I'll tell you what it does. Everyone becomes so conscious of not offending that they're unable to stand for what they have always stood for. And over the past year, the government has passed two bills that is not for the betterment of people, but rather a challenge to the beliefs of Christianity. And you can look them up if you desire. I'm being cautious of my words. But there are bills that are now in effect that affect people. Not for the better, but rather for the worse. And besides the examples that were mentioned previously, we also have spiritual disorientation. And this includes things like people doubting or denying one's religious beliefs that they once held as true. Let me tell you what the enemy would love for you to do. He doesn't even want you to think whether something is right or wrong. He just wants you to tolerate it. And if he can get you to tolerate it long enough, you'll think it's okay. It's a dangerous period of our life. Spiritual disorientation is a subtle or intense anxiety that happens about a person's relationship with God, even to the point of whether it's important or whether it's real. An increase of painful emotions such as anger and loneliness and shame and guilt and sadness and despair. This has been amplified during uh, the, the pandemic of COVID. And it's being blamed on COVID, but some of it is the other pandemics that are happening that are causing all of these things to arise in people's lives. The isolation and the criticism, feared or realized, 
for members even within their own family or even their own religious community. Existential angst concerning a person's identity and future itself has raised a bar of disorientation within people like never before. Can I tell you that God loves everyone, but he loves you and I enough that he will not leave us where we are. He will draw us unto him. He will bring us out of darkness into his marvelous light. No matter who it is, me, you, or anyone else, he loves you and I so much that he will continue to bring us out of the darkness of this world into his light. His light. This disorientation causes people to suffer emotionally and spiritually and some physically more days than they care to actually experience. And what has happened is it has now flooded our medical system where, where uh, people that are dealing with things like mental health, and we talked about that as a pandemic as well, there's such a rise that now, it's, now they're, they're trying to classify who's in, who's in greatest need. As a church, we have to be prepared. And as a, as, as a pastor and as our leadership, we must be prepared. There has to be an open door for people to be able to find help from disorientation. Five behaviors that as a church and as leaders, we have to navigate through this pandemic of disorientation and help people recover from the pandemic that we're talking about. We have to have organized teams to work with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. People are needing one-on-one -on -one attention. One-on-one -on -one attention. We have to display deliberate calm and optimism in a changing world. We can't be the ones flipping out. Oh, my goodness, I cannot believe you're the way you are. <laughs> no. The church has to be calm and optimistic of what God can do in a person's life. The last thing people need is the church to be out of control. Decisions amid uncertainty around us have to be able to be made wisely and for the best interest of individuals demonstrating an empathy for people there must be an empathy that's demonstrated for individuals compassion 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 always always the church has to be filled with compassion god help us to be a church that demonstrates empathy and compassion and number five, we communicate effectively through the Word of God, which is the only thing that can change people's lives. Listen, if the Word of God does it, it will last. If the power of God's presence does it, it will be life-changing. 
If someone changes because I advise them or someone changes because I say that's what you need to do, it will not survive. But if God changes a person's life, let me tell you, it will last. Pray for a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost that the church is communicating the Word of God. Listen, it's not wrong to have programs. It's not wrong to do whatever we can to help people in any positive way. But there is nothing that will compare to a powerful move, a red-hot presence of God, a convicting word from the Word of God that will touch someone's life and change them in a spur of a moment. Only the power of God can do such an act. That's it. As Christians, we have to know who we are, what we are created for, and why we are to be able to handle the pandemic of disorientation. We got to know who we are. We've got to be able to handle why God's created us the way he has. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go through some of this, uh, the when and where, those things those are, those are things that are quite easy for us to know. Number, number one, the when. God could have allowed you to be born in any generation that he wanted you to. He could have. But he allowed you and I to be born when he did. And he does all things well. So he, doesn't, he didn't make a mistake for you to be born in this generation. As challenging as it may appear, he knew what he was doing. He did. Say, you know what? I wish I, I, I had never known or I wasn't part of or I, I, was, I wish it was, I was born 100 years ago. Or, no, God knew exactly when you should have been born. He did. Sister Bertha, she's, she's having a birthday today. Bertha, you want me to tell them how old you are? God knew when she was to be born. He let her be born on this date, 79 years ago. Is that right, Bertha? 79 years ago. Do you know what? It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. The elders are required for the church of today. God allowed the younger ones to be born when they were so they would have the energy for the church for today. God knew exactly what he was doing. So the when is not a problem. It's not a problem. God knows exactly. He knows exactly. Listen, the, he knew nothing has snuck up on God. The pandemic of disorientation is no surprise to God. Hallelujah. This is He's got the church ready. He's got the right people in the church ready. He's got everything in control. Well, I got well, four or five people that believe it. You are born at the right time. This is what the Word says. Proverbs 16, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. God knows exactly what he's doing when he created you. 
Colossians 1, 16, And by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's got you right when he wanted you to be. That's it. The where. Do you know that you could have been born in any part of the world if God had designed it that way? Uh, But he designed you to be born where you were, and he designed you to be living where you are. Sometimes you might question that. Sometimes you might wonder if it's the right place to be. The fact of the matter is, this is where you are. He knew that. And uh, you, can, you can bloom where you're planted. You can grow right where he's got you. So the where, he's already got that under control. He allowed you to be born in the when. You had no control over that. You didn't even have any control of where. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 44, verse 2, that hath made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jerusalem, whom I have chosen. Goes on in verse 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, and stretcheth forth the heavens alone, and spreadeth abroad the earth by, by myself. He's got you. We got to get it clear in our heads that it's, it's not a better place to live, and it's not a better time to live. Okay? Because if, if we don't get those things straight, then the last ones, which are important, <laughs> they become more difficult. Um, Galatians, Paul said in chapter 1, verse 15, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. He, 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 he knew when and where I was going to be born. Look at, look at Jeremiah, what he says in chapter 1. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Hey, Lord, God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go in all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. He's saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, don't say what you'll be able to do and what you won't be able to do. I've got that all planned for you. I've got, you don't have to worry. If I ask you to do something, Jeremiah, you'll be able to do it. If I ask you to do something, church, that's what the Lord's saying, you'll be able to do it. He won't ask you to do something that you can't do. He won't ask you to do something that it's impossible for you to accomplish. He's, he already knows when you were going to be born and where you were going to be born. And he was going to give you the ability to do what he's called you to do. These things are important if we as the church are going to deal with the pandemic of disorientation in 2022. Because we can't help people if we don't know who we are ourselves. How am I supposed to help anyone who doesn't know who they are or what they are if I don't know it myself? So, you got to know. You got to know about 
when and where. Okay. Let's go to the who. Who is it that you are? Because you got to understand who you are in God. You got to understand who you are in God. You're not just a nobody. You're not just a, a, a leftover parts. You're not just a, a, a mistake of some sort. You're not just, a, well, you know what? Uh, uh, I don't know what God was doing. I have no idea what he was thinking. No, 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 none of that. You've got to understand who you are. Brother Robertson? You've got to understand who you are in God. Genesis chapter 1 and 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. What's so wonderful about Scripture is it gives us in the very first chapter who we are. Biologically, you can be one of two things. You can be a man or you can be a woman. You are created in God's own image. God created he, him. Male and female created he, them. Now, the interesting thing of knowing who you are is that he tells us in this this simple little passage of we're not just created as male and female. You are created with a, he uses the word dominion. That's a powerful word. None of the, uh, the rest of his creation did he give that authority to. Can I? I'm already past the point of maybe stepping on people's toes. and I don't know. You're more important than your goldfish. Okay? Your cat doesn't have a soul. Your dog will not live forever. And I'm not trying to display your pets at home. Your canary will someday die, and it'll be, that'll be it, okay? It's not going to heaven, so don't tell your kids that. None of those things God created are in any comparison to the male and female that he created. When he created male and female, he breathed into them. And they became living souls. Now, if you love your dog, there's nothing wrong with loving your dog. But he ain't going to heaven with you. Okay? He breathed into mankind, and they became living souls. The living soul gives you the authority of this word dominion. And the word dominion means to tread down, rule over, or prevail against. He's authorized you.
by the word of the creator, okay, the almighty God, to exercise power in subduing the earth. That means anything on it. There is nothing more powerful on this earth than you as a child of God. I'm telling you, there's no devil in hell. There's no spirit that reigns or, or tries to rule this earth. There's no animal. There's no other creation that compares to you. Don't allow yourself to get disoriented with what the world is preaching. There's only one thing that's going to live forever, and that is humanity. That's it. We have to, it doesn't matter how much university people take, it doesn't matter how much stuff they try to learn online, offline, professors, it doesn't, I don't have to have a degree to know what Genesis 1, 26 and 27 and 28 says. You were created in his image. And he has given you authority. Now what happened was, man, man messed that up. And God's been trying ever since to get people back into the dominion that he wanted them to have from the beginning. Being formed for dominion, the earth and its various products and inhabitants are assigned by only God himself. We don't receive authority over this earth by anything else. You don't receive no authority from me or from your boss or for anything over this earth. There's only one person in charge of the power of this earth. The enemy thinks he's in control. He's, he's not in control. God's in control. The subduing and the ruling refer not to a mere supply of some natural needs and the provisions. Uh, verse 29 tells us that there, there's provisions and, and, and animals, and whether you like to eat them or don't eat them, it'll tell you all kinds of things you can take care of there to make sure you're taken care of. The key point is dominion. Dominion. Paul wrote it this way. Ephesians 2. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He wanted it to be this way from the beginning. Man messed it up. Now he's saying, listen, this is what I want you to get back to. Where you are the workmanship of God, created in him. Let me tell you, most people struggle with what's happening in their life because they don't realize who they can be. Let me tell you, if you understood... If every person could get a grasp of who they are in Jesus Christ, there would, have, there would be no worry about disorientation because you are the workmanship of an almighty God. And when you're the workmanship of God, why would you ever want to lower yourself to anything else? 
Paul said in Colossians 3, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. When I gave my life to God, I started back on the journey of having the proper dominion that God wanted me to have. I've put on the new man. And I'm being renewed in knowledge. Not just after any old thing. No. But after the image. What's the image? The image is what was talked about in verse 26 and 27 of Genesis 1. What God designed it for in the first place. If you're going to deal with disorientation in 2022, you got to know who you already are. God help us to know who we are in Him. Do you realize that it doesn't matter how long you've served God, if you've given your life to God and you're living for God to the best of your ability, you're a child of His? You are a child of His. If you're a child of His, that means you have released, you've been released, you no longer belong to the enemy of this world. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to allow the world's preaching to mess up your thought pattern if you understand who you are. Now, I think it would be important to say right here. It's important not to jump down someone's throat. It's important not to condemn. It's, not, it's important not to raise our nose in the air. But rather point out the opportunity that someone can be. If someone chooses not to, then that is the power of choice that we have. But if someone chooses to say, I think I'd like to have that opportunity, just point someone in the direction of what and who they can be. People make a huge mistake if judgment is made. Don't, don't judge. Just point them to the cross. Point them to a loving God. Point them to a transforming Savior. Point them to an ever-changing word. Point them to the very presence of an eternal God. And let God's spirit take care of disorientation. Okay. All right. This is the last part. I'm going to try to wind it down. I've only got seven pages left. Some's laughing. That's true. But I'll, 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 I'll try to do what I can. The last, the last part is the why. And this is maybe... 
the biggest challenge that people are dealing with. Why am I living on this earth? Why am I alive? I have no understanding of why or what my purpose is in life. They don't have the why answer. What is the purpose for each of us being created the way he has made us? Now, if you already know who you are, that question seems silly. But if you don't know who you are in God, then the why is a big, big question. Because if you know who you are, you're anxious to find out the why, and you will pursue until. And what's happening in our world today, there's so little purpose that we see young people, young, young people taking their own lives. And it breaks my spirit and my heart every time I see it because they don't have the why of why they are alive. Isaiah 43 and verse 7 says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. That's the goal that you're trying to get people to. And it's a journey for people to get from not knowing to that. The why is God created us to be able to show forth his glory. You are a conduit, a channel. You are the flowing through of his spirit, his grace, his mercy. It's the why. He didn't create me just so my parents could have a child. No, there's something when he created me in his image. This is an opportunity for my glory to be shown. That's why everybody in this room and everyone watching online has the same importance to the God we serve because we all get the same why. Well, you know, pastor, you're, you're pastoring. That has, that's just a calling that God's added to my responsibility. The why started long before I became a pastor. The why started of me showing forth his glory before I was ever called to ministry. So that ministry is just extra responsibility and the blessing of what God allows me to do. But he called me to show forth his glory. Psalm 8. It's a powerful chapter. Nine verses. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. In all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory 
and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion. There it is. Over the work of thy hands, thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. You can see through that psalm, yes, the wonderful things that God made, but you can read through that psalm that you are the channel for him to talk about how great he is. He doesn't get to do that through the rest of creation. He doesn't. The way he works through you and I is much different than the rest of his creation. He gets to show his glory through you in a powerful way. I'll end with this passage. Romans chapter 9 and verse 19. That will say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he hath afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Just going to give a few points of this passage because Paul's writing and he's basically saying, who are we to question God in how he made us? That's kind of his, that's the gist of what he's saying. And who are we as the clay to tell the potter how we're going to be? If he's already decided how he wants to make you and how he made you, who are we to have a discussion with him that he didn't do it right? And he says, he makes some unto honor and some unto dishonor. That doesn't mean he makes bad and good. He, just, he makes some with, with service that are more uh, responsible, and he makes some of less service. It doesn't mean that he likes people less, just less responsibility. But he works on each of our lives. And Paul's going back to Jeremiah 18, and he's going back to the potter and the clay uh, scenario in Jeremiah. And he's talking about basically the potter gets to decide the vessel. And the vessel is whatever he feels fit for that person in their life. And so you can see when someone doesn't know that they're to portray the glory of the Lord, then they feel like they're, they, they're lost in this world. And the world is not giving them the answer. They're saying, try something else. If you don't like yourself, change yourself. Literally. And so the world's solution is not trying to give how God ever created us for, but rather, don't be you. That's what the world is saying. And Paul's telling us, 
God created you the way you are. And he just desires for you and I not to get caught up in the world's disorientation politically, socially, spiritually, none of those things. But rather, let ourselves focus on what he created us for. And that is to show forth his glory. And let me tell you, a person that finds that place in God, no matter what they were before, they could have been absolute down and out. They could be an addict. They could, have, they could be homeless. They could be people without any career. They could be people that their family has rejected them. They could, it doesn't matter who it is. If they find out who they are in God, their whole purpose in life changes. Interestingly enough, there's even people in our churches that have not gone through extra difficult times in their life. Maybe were even brought up in a Christian home. Maybe churches basically been all they've known and they still yet haven't found out who they are in God and because of that get displayed distracted off track in life of serving God our goal as a church has to be to provide solution for disorientation and that is, we can help you find out who you are in God. And if you get that, you don't have to take a back seat to anything else in this world. Listen, is it beneficial to have had a, an affirmative family and encouraging parents? Yeah, all those things are beneficial. But it's not the only thing that causes someone to find their purpose in God. If someone gets a hold of that the Lord is your heavenly father and that the Lord created you in his image and God has a purpose for your life, if someone gets a hold of God's plan for their future, someone gets a hold of this is what you can become, there's no stopping an individual that understands who they are in God. So it's important as a church, extremely important as a church, that in any of our secular conversations, interactions, that we are not in a condemning mode. That does not help someone find who they are in God. But rather, open up the opportunity. This is what happened when I found out who I was in God. And when I found out who I was in God, this is the door that opened for me. 
Can I tell you? You cannot get rid of darkness. You can't. You can't get rid of darkness. There's only one thing that gets rid of darkness, and that's light. So all you have to do is introduce people to the light. And darkness has to go. We get it all messed up when we try to get rid of darkness in people's lives. Don't even worry about the darkness. That has no power compared to light. None. None. All you do is you bring light into a dark situation and darkness has to flee. It has no choice. If one person you talk to and explain how God opened up the avenue for you to know who you are, if one person gets it, darkness in their life will flee. Yeah. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can focus on the big bad world instead of the all-powerful God. The Bible is very clear. Where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Well, you know what? I'm just going to hold on till the Lord comes. That's what the Bible says about someone who takes their light and hides it under a bushel. Don't do that. Get right up on the hill. Get your light out. And let it shine because darkness will have to go. Hmm. Oh, dear. I'm out of time. I didn't get to the last four pages. Uh, can I just finish it with this part of the, that, that passage? Because... This is really the key of what Paul's saying in there. Verse 23. Um, he's talking about all this stuff about how God made you and, and why would we argue with the potter when we're the clay. And then he says this, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. The whole purpose of what he's trying to do is that his glory could be seen through your vessel of mercy. My vessel of mercy. He's just wanting me to be a channel so that someone else could see how powerful he was in my life and in your life so they could experience the same No disorientation with me. It's not a cockiness. It's not a conceitedness. I know who I am in God. I'm not worried about this world. I've already got my mind made up that I'm going to let my life glorify him until he comes. Whatever that causes me, I don't know. I have no idea. What's going to happen down the road? All I know is I'm going to be a channel for his glory. That's what I decided that I was going to be a long time ago. And no matter what the world says, is not going to confuse me 
or cause me to become disoriented. Make sure, make sure that's where you stand in God. Because when his glory is shining through your life, there's nothing that you have to worry about because he's called you to be a vessel of mercy, to shine his glory, and people get to see. Hallelujah. Would you stand tonight? Hallelujah. Oh, oh, in the middle of a pandemic of COVID, people have been affected by the pandemic of disorientation. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in such a trap. Know who you are in God. Know who you are in God. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.